my name is Gary Clayton. Um, uh, a great, great deal of experience in this industry. But after 25 plus years in the industry, working for someone else, it was time to start working for myself. So I started Compass Point Imports. I am the founder, but I like the title Chief Libationist. That, to me, is what it's all about, right? I do want to qualify one thing. I have never, ever worked in the travel retail side of the business. Never. I'm not an expert. But what I have done is I have sold to and marketed to the travel retail business. So the folks here asked me to come up, have a few conversations with you to try to impart some of my experience, my insight to help you steer your way through this, I think a very important channel. The title of this presentation, there we go is how importers and distributors can pitch cruise lines and airlines. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit about duty-free airports, but it, it really is a real different world out there. It's the big brands, deep pockets, cost of entry is very high. I think when you talk about travel retail, from my perspective, as a small importer, a guy who's been in this business for a while, it really is cruise lines, number one and airlines number two. So, the real message here is, are you missing the boat? Are you missing the plane? Are you missing the opportunity in this important segment of travel retail? Especially when you start looking at the general market here, the challenges that we all face, trying to push your way into this highly concentrated, highly fragmented, highly disruptive, three-tier system, it's very challenging, as we all know, to break through. And as a small importer, boutique wine and spirit importer, I'm finding the same issues that you're finding. But the reality is this three-tier system will continue to evolve. Consolidation is the new normal. Con consolidation will be the future as well. So. Let's see whether or not travel retail makes sense for you. So the presentation is broken down into the what, giving you a certain amount of dynamics, how big the category is overall, the why, why it's important for you to consider travel retail, but more importantly, the how, the go-to-market strategy. How do we access this all-important channel? So here's some numbers. When you look at travel retail, that includes duty-free airports, airlines, cruise lines, and they have an other section, which is port stores and border stores. It is a $9 billion category, 2016, 30 million cases. Now, when you think about the general market on a global basis, it's peanuts, it's small. The global business for travel retail is $9 billion. The global business for wines and spirits overall is $765 billion, 1.1% of it being travel retail. Does it make sense then to consider it? Yes, that's the answer, and I'll tell you why in a few moments. One thing that you do have to look at is what are the trends in travel retail? What's driving travel retail as a, as a whole? One of the things you have to look at is what's happening in the general market tends to replicate 
in travel retail. What's, what's driving retail, what's driving on-premise, tends to take place also in travel retail. This is important as you think about the brands that you want to present to the travel retail industry. Are the trends moving in the right direction for your brand? So that's the first question you have to answer. Premiumization. Premiumization is strong in the US market. It's been going on for a long period of time. Also within travel retail. Also within travel retail, it has the same effect. The CAGR, the five-year CAGR through compounded annual growth rate through 2016, value was up 4.8%, volume was up 2%. So those premium items that you're bringing to the marketplace extremely well within travel retail. Also spirits. Spirits are a key driver. It's a driving force more so than the general market. 73% of the volume, global volume for travel retail is spirits, 92% of the value. And that really is being driven by airports, duty-free airports, which you'll see in a few moments. But I think it's important to note, this is on a global level, but when you start taking down to the region and different segments and different categories, every region, every segment has their own idiosyncrasies. So that's important to understand. As an example, in Europe, Europe dominates with about 53% of the total business. The driver is spirits. Spirits are growing 5.6% versus wine 1.1%. But then you flip it back to the Americas. Americas are basically Canada all the way down to Argentina and Chile. Americas, 19% share, less than 6 million cases. But wine is the key driver for growth, up 3.5% on wine versus 2.6% on spirits. This is another key slide. When you look at where is the business, for spirits, top 20 spirit brands represent about 90% of the total business. Big challenge unless you're absolute, Johnny Walker, Jack Daniels. So a real challenge from the spirit sides getting into this channel. But take a look at uh, wines. 54% are below the top 20. So I do think when you start looking at the opportunity and where you need to focus, I know we've got some wine distributors and importers here, but also some spirit importers and, and distributors. I think wine has a better opportunity. Why? Because wine, as we all know, is not brand driven, it's not brand loyal, it's being driven by adventure, experiential, and looking at new regions and new categories. So let's take a look at the categories. On spirit side, half the business is Scotch whiskey. This is, this is again, travel retail. Scotch whiskey and vodka, over 50% of the total volume. On the wine side, obviously still wine. So no new news there, but you have to look at where the trends are. On spirits, it's all about whiskey. Just like here in the United States. So uh, when you look at Japanese whiskey, up 50% on a compounded an annual growth rate. Irish whiskey, up 10%. Canadian whiskey, up 8%. And then you have gin, which is up 5%. On the wine side, 
It's about providing wines that deliver on the style and the quality the customer is looking for. For example, cruise lines and airlines that cater to Americans, they're looking for that forward fruit style of wine overall. If you look at the growth of sparkling, champagne is up 4%, other sparkling is up 11%, over double the rate of growth overall. So we're talking about Cava's, we're talking about Cremant's, we're talking about Prosecco's. What's driving the business at retail on-premise in the general market is also driving consumption in travel retail, okay? Oh, that was good. So on, from a segment standpoint, where is the business? Airports. It's, again, it's all about spirits driving airports. 51% of the total, total business overall. But here in America, yeah, okay, airports, 42% of the total business. So when you take, it's about 5.8 million cases. When you take airports out of it, cruise lines and airports represent less than 2 million cases. So you have to ask the question, does it make sense for you to actually focus on the airlines and the cruise lines, is there a better and a bigger fish to fry in the general market? And I would say, I would agree with you, number one, you want to continue to focus in the general market, but there is an opportunity in travel retail. And as a, an example, when I was the VP of marketing at Pasternak Wine Imports, we did about 400,000 cases on a yearly basis. We did 70,000 cases of travel retail. That's 18% of our total volume. 18% of the total volume. So um, it's, it's an opportunity. It really is an opportunity. For our business, it was incredibly profitable. It didn't take the place of our general market. We actually had one gentleman, one guy, who worked on travel retail business. But it augmented our baseline business, and that's how you have to look at it. We treated travel retail as a year-to-year -year business because of the nature of travel retail. Here today, gone tomorrow, we treated it as a layer of incremental volume and revenue, but we always kept a keen eye on our general market. An obvious benefit to travel retail, the airlines and the cruise lines, you've got a captured audience, right? can not only be great trial, getting that on-premise trial, but also can translate into domestic sales. We had a large number of people who just came off their cruise line, had a great wine on board, called us, emailed us, asking, where can I buy this wine in my local market? So there's a great trial opportunity, but also can translate into domestic sales. And as a final note, on the value, just because we're bringing it in ex-seller, in bond, meaning no distributor margins, no depletion allowances, we can actually deliver great value to the customer overall. I do think uh, cruise lines versus airlines have a bigger opportunity for a number of reasons. First of all, they drink a heck of a lot on board. They sip, shoot, gulp, a tremendous amount of alcohol, eight times what they would normally do onshore. 
So this one study estimated that over one week on one ship, consumption on average was 1,200 glasses of sparkling wine, 10,000 beers, 17,000 glasses of wine, and 33,000 mixed drinks. Now, when you translate to the revenue, that's one week, one ship. That translates into about a half a million dollars of revenue. Uh, and you do the math. Carnival Cruises has somewhere in the range of 24 ships. That translates into about a half a billion dollars worth of revenue. There's serious money uh, on board these ships. So, it's about getting your foot in the door, correct? I mean, that's what we're all trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do uh, as well. So how do you get your foot in the door when everybody else is trying to get through the same door? It's all about, we talked, she talked a little bit about having a story, having a compelling story that really resonates and connects with the customer. It's about that value proposition. It's having a unique selling proposition overall. What can help is having those great reviews, accolades, ratings, those gold medals. Data helps as well. If you're doing something in the US, you've got great IRI data and Nielsen data, or you've got success stories in certain markets or with certain accounts, that always plays. But also having the ability to invest in marketing and resources with that customer, showing that you're trying to help them make more money. The great thing about cruise line companies is they're savvy marketers. And they're constantly looking for new programs, new ideas to create that memorable experience for their customers, to get them to do what? To come back, right? So we talk about we need to get those repurchases uh, from, our, from our distributors. That's what we're looking for, and that's what those guys are looking for. Um, on board those ships. But your marketing investment doesn't have to cost a lot of money. If you had that great ambassador, that wonderful winemaker or distiller that can educate customers and consumers on board ship, uh, that's a huge benefit and it really doesn't cost a lot of money. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples from my history and my relationships just to give you just a sense of what you can bring to the table. So this is Bill Whiting. Bill Whiting uh, is the education director at Banffy Vintners. Uh, and he's done a tremendous amount of work in the general market, really telling the story of Banffy Wines. And so this, this summer, he's on board a Regent cruise ship doing education and winemaker dinners. But also, because the cruise line is coming down the coast of Italy, the value he brings is an excursion to the Castello Banfi estate. Now, not all of us has that opportunity, but if you have something like that, it can truly benefit you. That's adding value to Banfi. It's adding value to the cruise line as well. This is the wine and dine program from RCCL. Uh, basically, a number of different levels. It's wine and dine, so you sign up for your package of wines, right up front when you get on board and as you sit at the table for your dinner you're presented your wines so you have different levels within each level gold premium platinum there's different levels in terms of cases five or bottles five bottles seven bottles ten bottles twelve bottles 
If you're on this program, you're selling serious wine, big time. We had another program with Royal Caribbean Champagne. Champagne is obviously growing. It's a huge margin revenue generator for these customers. So Royal Caribbean created Champagne Bars. We were part of that. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of revenue overall. And then finally, we had a great program with our uh, lower end, entry level Bordeaux wines from Lafitte. So we did 750 DBR tastings in 16 ships. We actually went in, our national account guy went in and trained the uh, food and beverage managers and the waste staff to conduct these tastings. But we also had a two bottle pack on board. We sold 12,000 two bottle packs. So again, it's all about not only what's, what's in the bottle, but what sort of investment you're willing to make with these customers. So what is the best route to market? There's a number of different ways you can go about it. You can go direct to the buyer. So we heard uh, Capital Grill, some real challenges of getting connection with, with, uh, with the buyer. Same issue happens in travel retail, as you can imagine. You have ship chandlers. We actually use Kerasam, but that was through our broker. Uh, good relationship. My recommendation for all of you is use a travel retail broker. And here's the reason why. The broker has a staff. They have the know-how. The amount of logistics and paperwork is incredible. You don't have that capability. I don't have that capability. So I would highly recommend using a broker that really focuses in on travel retail. One of the reasons is they know the game. They, they have the relationships. They know what the buyers are looking for. They know what RFPs and programs are coming down the pike. It's also important to have a variety of different offerings, different quality, different style, to make sure that you have an opportunity because there's gonna be a lot of programs hitting uh, at different times of the year. One key point is Using a broker is not free. Typically, it takes about 10% commission. If you're driving a lot of volume, you can actually negotiate down to about 5%, as we have done. Uh, but it's important that you build this into your price. Same thing with marketing investment. We had a program where we basically paid $50,000 to one cruise line. We built that into the price. So it's not just about volume. Make sure that you're protecting your margin. You may have to give a little bit here and there, but margin is what really burns the engine, right? So it's important that you keep that in balance. Uh, another key point is the fact that most of these contracts, and you will sign a contract, they're two-year contracts. So you must be able to hold that price over a two-year period. Sometimes it's very challenging, especially with some specialized uh, wines and even spirits. Uh, the best advice I can give you is work with a broker that you can work with, that you can trust. Uh, it's about doing your homework. I've got a number of recommendations. We used to work with Divine & Sons, Southern Glaciers. 
they have their own brand new, maybe the past two years, travel retail uh, division. There's EMP, there's Slate Wines, there's AMI Group, but it's really up to you. I think this message has been consistent from one, one pre presenter to the next. You need to do your homework. Another opportunity, though, is to contact the International Cruise Line Association. They're based down in, in Florida. They used to actually do, in their conferences, do a trade show where you can bring your wines and show, show the buyers. I think that's basically been pushed aside. But give them a call and seek some of their advice. They can help you steer through this important channel. Now, in regards to airlines, I haven't spent a lot of time on airlines for an obvious reason. This is a much more challenging segment because you don't have the same type of activation points. There's been tremendous consolidation in the industry overall. Um, little marketing opportunity. You know, it's, a lot of times it comes down to a price overall. But in many cases, depending upon the airlines that you're working with, um, in Denver, there, it's a hub. Phoenix, it's a hub. Um, Dallas, it's a hub. By law, by state law, you actually have to use a distributor. You have to sell through a distributor. So you need to be in a situation where you have that relationship and that distributor has that understanding. They've got to take those cases. So there's a margin issue there as well. So like everything else, uh, you know, patience, kicking down the doors, but having that tenacity but recognizing that this is a business that's here today, gone tomorrow, you need to look at this as incremental value to your overall business. One final note, if you do decide to participate, work with a broker, that it's important that you build that relationship, that you stay in contact with that uh, broker. Strong communication because those RFPs, those proposals are flying through his desk and you want to be on that radar when, when those proposals hit, okay? So, I wish all of you the very best. I'm fighting the same fight you're fighting. Uh, toast to your success. Thank you very much. Any questions? Yes, here we go. I would just like to understand how does this process work? If, say, for instance, I were an importer from Spain, mm -hmm. okay, and I bring Spanish wines into the U.S., and the ships stop in Spain. Right, yeah. Okay. Are they going to be buying from yeah, me that, or yeah. from Spain? So, yeah, and right, so they, that's where the ship channelers come into play. So that's what the channelers do. They actually have a system where they move cases around. I mean, we were doing programs out of the U.S. that affected uh, cruise ships in, in Italy, in France, et cetera, et cetera. So what, what you will do is working with a broker, or you can work directly with a, a ship channeler, uh, is they will move boxes. They'll move cases around. So, and they know how to do that. They certainly know how to do that. So it would be establishing a relationship. We would ship directly to their warehouse in Miami, and then they'd funnel it out on cruise ships and move it around uh, the world. So you don't have to do that. You don't have to have a distributor or uh, a relationship in Italy or France, you know, because um, that, that would be absolutely impossible, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Good? Okay. Super. Thank you so much, Gary.